hello, 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 6am run family, 6am run listeners, 6am run community, all of you guys. Um, as you guys know, I'm Hami Mahani, CEO and founder of the company who brings you these weekly, um, actually now three times a week podcasts. I am Hami Mahani. Um, I again, I'm starting every episode as I do most all of them. And that's with gratitude to all of you guys who continue to listen and bring in and help bring in more listeners by everyone sharing these. We got it now as we, I saw we just posted yesterday our 53rd episode. So that was really cool to see. And, you know, we got to start thanking some really great guests we've had. And I'm going to get right into our current guest. I think you guys are all going to take a lot away from this episode. Jay Schiffman, welcome to the 6am run podcast. I should have, one of the questions I try to get in the pre-call is pronunciation. I hope I, I know Jay, I got right. Um, Schiffman, am I right? You, you did it just fine. Thank you. Awesome. Jay, welcome to the show. And please, if you don't mind, I like to let our guests introduce themselves. I think we are our own best hype men, hype women. <laughs> if you don't mind telling us about yourself. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, congratulations on getting over 50 episodes. That's awesome. Thank you. As a multi-time uh, podcast host myself, uh, I can tell you that it's difficult to get over 25, and that puts you in something like the 90th or 95th percentile oh, wow. of all podcasters. So you are chugging along, my friend. Congratulations. Uh, thank you yeah. so much. I didn't know that. That's That, that made my day. Yeah, so really, Mazel Tov on that. I am a, a Jay Schiffman. I'm a multi-time podcast host. I have a weekly show called Choose Your Struggle. We're up to I don't know, 160. Wow. I don't even know, man. A lot of episodes. And I run the company Choose Your Struggle. Uh, the focus is ending stigma and promoting honest and fact-based education around mental health, substance misuse and recovery, and drug use and policy. Uh, those are my my sort of uh, big focuses. Uh, I am a guy in long-term recovery, 12 years uh, with, from an issue of substance misuse and addiction, uh, oh. survivor multiple suicide attempts, and really telling my story and connecting with awesome people like you and your listeners to help share some of these uh, important topics and talk about the commonalities in all of our lives. Well, uh, if you don't mind, let's kind of start. I like to go back to the beginning. If you don't mind me asking, what brought you here? I want to be very careful. And if it's something that we can't, or was it personal struggle yourself? I love stories of triumph and people then sharing it with others. If it's not something we can visit, please tell me now. But how did this all start? And also, if you can kind of even start from the very, very beginning, I like hometown, where you grew up, you know, family dynamic, please, if you don't mind, Jay, set the stage for us, please. Yeah, definitely. You know, I am an open book. Big part of my work, as I said, is ending stigma. And that means being willing to talk about these things that a lot of us go through and not hiding. It. Right. Uh, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, I grew up in a very athletic family, oldest of four boys, uh, all within six years. We all played a lot of sports. My chosen sport was uh, baseball. I was an organized baseball player for 15 years. But my secondary sport was running. Uh, I was a cross-country yeah. runner. And I started it, uh, like many, I think, young guys do who play other sports, as a way to get in shape. I would do it in the fall going into the winter so that I was ready for spring training uh, for baseball. And then, uh, unfortunately for me, first off, I was very good at it. I was, in fact, I was almost, I was better at it than baseball. I was one of the better runners in my school. But the problem is I've got a bit of a, a lemon body. I'm always hurt. And it got to the point where I was actually hurting myself and not going into spring training healthy because of the running. So the running had to go on the back burner for a while there, mostly late high school, so I could focus on baseball. Sure. But running was always uh, something that I enjoyed. In baseball, 
especially when you're at bat, you're the focus of everyone's attention. And as a guy with anxiety, I just hated that, right? I love playing the field. I was a great fielder. I couldn't hit a lick because I was I was scared. I was really anxious about being at bat. But running, you're just there, man. You're just there with everyone else around you. No one else really even matters. You're just you going through the athletic uh, enjoyment or focus of that moment. And I love that about running. Well, yeah. Well, and then also thinking, right? Like it's it's really one of those sports. I feel like I've done basketball, soccer, and then now I'm, I'm a runner, right? I feel like basketball and soccer, I don't know. I want to find the best way to explain this. You're so wrapped up in the competitiveness of the battle, almost per se, of the moment, thinking who to pass to, thinking what, like just different moves you've got to make end result of a goal or a basket in football, a touchdown, baseball, focusing on that ball, right? Because you've got to hit it. Or when you're in the outfield, just being prepared to catch, make passes. With running, there's so much time to think. It's unlike anything else, in my opinion, because of that. There's not many things, and it's a physically exhausting task, but you just have so much time to just think. And in other sports, thinking happens in timeouts. Maybe someone's like basketball, someone's on the free throw line, right? In baseball, you might be thinking while you're waiting for, let's say, a hit to come, but there's just almost the entire time of running, you're just thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, now as an adult, when I am wrestling with something at work or feeling stuck, going for a run is one of my tools. Slot my headphones in, put the music, and very soon it kind of fades into the background. It's just me with my thoughts out there on the road. And so definitely could not agree more and recommend that to everybody is to take a break and go for a run when you're in a moment where you need to clear your head. I think it's yeah. one of the better activities you can do. Absolutely. So running kind of now as you come to kind of adulthood, right? Obviously, we all you know, have these kind of paths and please take us through, you know, what kind of went down. I hate to say it, but what kind of went down? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, what happened with me was, as I said, I do struggle with some mental health stuff. And unfortunately for me, my therapist at the time, I was a teenager, saw some of these things and made some correct diagnoses. Uh, But then he got a little overzealous, we should say and ended up giving me a misdiagnosis of a very serious issue of mental health. Now, when you get that misdiagnosis and get put on the medication, and if you don't have that issue, what happens is that those medications will then uh, sort of act as gasoline on a fire that is your just everyday mental health issues, or if you're someone like me who struggles, I have OCD, anxiety, ADHD, and it will inflame them in a way that, it, for me, set me spiraling. And so from my late teens and my early 20s, uh, my life kind of fell off the, off the rails a bit. And I also developed a debilitating addiction to the medications I was on. Wow. Yeah. And so my health got away from me pretty much every day. By the time I was 23, every day was spent just trying to maintain. You know, I'd wake up and have to take a handful of pills before I went through withdrawal, which is horrible. And when I lost those battles, when I didn't take the pills quick enough, my mornings were out the window because I would spend the morning curled around my toilet in my bathroom floor. So my life was not a good one. And it was in the summer of 2009. I was 23 years old. And I decided that things weren't going to get better. I gave up hope. And that was the summer I attempted suicide twice in two days and went through an overdose the second day. 
Well, if you don't mind me, was there one particular event that upset you, uh, a breakup? I want to go back. And again, if I'm overstepping. Not at all. Please tell me one thing. I have a 14 year old. No, I should correct myself. She just turned 15 two days ago. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. I have a six year old as well. And one of the things I want to tell them as they get older, right? Because knowing, even though I'm 42, right? I remember that age and I never forget thinking a breakup was like the end of the world, right? Or maybe getting cut from a team or don't get me wrong. And at that age, of course, that's a tragedy and it needs to be treated as such when you're a parent. But kind of knowing that that doesn't mean it's the end, right? It's not like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Was there, though, one particular event where it just kind of the coping was hard? And then on the flip side of that, if we can talk about after you attempted those things, I feel like every story of triumph has someone that came in and rescued that individual, which I love hearing. And then was there somebody that came and said, look, Jay, I'm here for you. I got you. What do you need? So to your first question, you know, what's actually sad is that there really wasn't because, and I say that's sad because if that was the case, if it was just, you know, a breakup or whatever the case is, it's easier to address that, right? You say to the person, God, this pain you're feeling is very real, but it's going to get better. The pain's going to go away, right? That's how life works. That's how our brains work. Unfortunately for me, there wasn't anything like that. What it was was a slow chipping away over time. You know, my like I said before. A constant sadness, right? You know, it wasn't even constant. It was that there, if imagine a scale okay. and over time it gets heavier and heavier. And so it's not that it's always on this side, but at some point you'll tip that scale until it's heavier more often than it's not. And so For me, even the days that I was avoiding withdrawal, I still was sort of alienated from my family and friends. Even the days I avoided withdrawal, I was still unable to to really maintain a job. I had failed out of school. And so it was just all of these things adding up that made my life feel worthless, helpless, hopeless. And so that's why I attempted suicide was that I felt that things were not going to get better because for a long time, they were heading in the wrong direction. Well, no. And by the way, you got to forgive any ignorance I have. You know, and I, I part, of, part of what I love, by the way, to go off tangent, but these podcasts have been very educational for me and being a, a dad of young children and seeing stuff like, you know what I mean? These are things that people need to know to your point. Like now you need to say, okay, it's not maybe just an incident. Now, sometimes there are things that are just on a daily, just accumulating. And it's not one thing that a child, you know, maybe can't cope with or an individual. So these are so educational for me and I am no expert on the matter, but I love that I'm, I'm learning a little bit. So thank you for that, Jay. So now let's get to that point. You attempted it. Thank God it didn't work. You're here today. Now, this where kind of we start talking a little bit about what was the road to recovery. So, <laughs> unfortunately, no, this wasn't my rock bottom moment. I ended up when I overdosed the second day. A person called nine one one, and I ended up being let out of my house in handcuffs and slapped against the side of a cop car, treated like a typical criminal, and all this kind of stuff. That night, I spent the night handcuffed to a bed at a hospital. The next three weeks, I was in a lockdown unit and the next three months in a long-term care facility. So things continued to get worse. 
But luckily for me, I finally made the decision that I wanted to get off all these medications and try to, to get healthier. And I did that. And here's to your earlier question, the person who made the difference was my grandmother who agreed to take me in and allow me to go through step-down detox in her home. Okay. And for those who are not familiar, because I don't know why you would be, step-down is the opposite of cold turkey. Uh, cold turkey can be very lethal if it's not done in a medical setting because your body goes haywire. And I was on so many drugs at this point, like six different medications. And by the way, when I say drugs, I mean not illicit. I was on no illicit drugs. These were all prescription pills. And I was on so many that if I had tried to go cold turkey, the combined withdrawal would have killed me. So uh, it took me almost four months to go through this step-down detox where I took a little bit less every couple of days. But my grandmother let me do this in her house, in her spare room. Most days I was basically just laying around the house feeling horrible. When I felt okay, I would go out with her, my grandfather, and we would go on walks. I mean, just the, the smallest little life things. But eventually I, I started to feel a little bit better and uh, in the spring of 2010 was when all those drugs were out of my system, and I started on the next phase, which was rebuilding my health and rebuilding my life. Wow, that's awesome. And then now that starts, obviously, now it's about helping. I know, I think that this is what you're doing now. Now let's kind of, as we get kind of through the halftime portion of our chat today, well, let's talk more about your health and maintaining healthy. Like, I don't want to say healthy, but maintaining the positivity, maintaining, staying on that road of recovery. What keeps you staying on that positive path every day? Are there techniques? Let's go there, actually. I'm, I'm kind of thinking as we're talking, but what are the tricks? What does Jay do to keep his mind from going back to those dark places? Well, I'll tell you that the first thing that I adopted uh, after this period was running. Like I said, I was a runner when I was young. I had gone away from all health uh, during this period. But if 2010 was when I started this journey to get back to being healthy again, 2012, I was finally in a state where I had gotten a little healthier. My mind was getting, it was clearer, but my body still needed help. And I started relearning how to run just with the setting the goal of running a 5K by the end of the summer. This was summer of 2012. And I uh, ended up losing a lot of weight and relearning how to do this. And it reignited, uh, crossing that finish line. That was the moment, right? Of that first 5K. No, I'm agreeing with you. It's that, uh, yeah. it, it is. It's that runner's high. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I felt so, you know, I'm not a crazy competitor, right? I used to be a baseball player. And let's be honest, as much as I love that sport, it's not like basketball where you're banging bodies or football or something like that. It's a much more calm sport. I've never been a crazy competitor, but there was something about crossing that finish line that day that really awoke something in me. And I've been running, you know, ever since. From there, I decided I was going to run a half marathon, which I did three years later. And uh, unfortunately, the issues of my body being a lemon came back in and I've been on and off hurt since then. But Whenever I'm healthy, I'm running. When I'm not, I'm working with a trainer. And as I did right before I came here today to help rehab my legs and try to retrain some of these bad habits to keep me healthier longer. And it's that opportunity, as I was saying earlier, to get out there, put the music in my ears and just be alone with my thoughts for a while. There's no work. There's no anything, house chores, stuff with the wife, none of that. All that disappears. 
for that period that I'm out there running. So I can't say enough of how important that is to me in maintaining my mental health. So here's the thing, right? So running is physically exerted. It is, right? And I think that what I did and why we, you know, I I try not to talk so much about these podcasts. We don't want to talk really, you know, these podcasts are not about 6 a.m. run per se, but I think what a lot of people need to know, and I've told a lot of people this story, so some of this is repetitive to some, but you know, when I would get up at six in the morning to go run before work, I was eight to five corporate America and I was not happy there. But what was happening, and I just noticed this, that getting up at six in the morning and running three to six miles every single day, when I got to work, there was nothing my boss could put in front of me. Here, fill these thousand sheet uh, spreadsheet Excel document. We need this report back or make a presentation for the marketing guys of why, how much money we need. There was nothing, a task you could give me in a timeline I had to get it done that was harder than running my ass off at six in the morning for six miles. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it gave me this swagger about myself that it started, promotions started coming my way. I walked around and I always say not cocky, but very confident. You know what I'm saying? Because again, I already ran, I already did. I was coming into work every single day seeing my coworkers, and I say this respectfully, I, I know it's tough to, it doesn't sound respectfully, but I will. Seeing my coworkers just rolling out of bed with a big jug of coffee and eyes barely open, and I had already ran six miles, I hate to say this, but it gave me a sense of, of empowerment in a way. And I don't want to say I'm, I'm not, by any means, I'm nowhere near better than anyone, but do you know what I'm saying? So there's some science behind this. And when I say science in this respect, I'm saying the science is behind mindfulness. Right. So a couple of years ago, actually now, man, COVID makes every time crazy. But starting about 2018, I went on a mission where I started interviewing leaders in this mindfulness field, uh, therapists, all sorts of people, because this is my sort of full disclosure moment. I didn't enjoy meditation. I didn't get from it what I wanted, right? And we have created this situation where the word mindfulness is almost synonymous with meditation. But the fact is, meditation is only a tool uh, in a very broad toolbox of uh, different opportunities to practice mindfulness, right? So I went on this mission to learn as many other techniques as I could, and I compiled them all. I've got this giant list of all these different practices that people recommend. And a couple years ago, I got approached by an online education platform called Listenable to do a class on this. And one of the ones that I advocated on that class that I do myself is a morning gratitude practice. Yep. And, and the reason is, and this goes exactly into what you were just saying about the running thing. If we start our days, and your listeners can't see this, but I'm pointing downwards, right? When your boss walks in and gives you that report and is like, I need this back in 30 minutes, and you're just, oh, there's nothing I could do. You're heading straight to the floor. But if you start your day upwards and with gratitude, with a run, with whatever it is that gets your, your mind going in a positive direction, when he drops that bomb on you, you're going to go down a little bit, but you're still heading in the right direction, right? At the very worst, maybe you're flat. You're not nosediving down into the ground because you weren't headed in that direction already, right? right. So. There is some science behind that. We're getting up and doing something positive first thing, even if, like I said, it's 30 seconds of gratitude, right? 30 seconds of whatever it is that gets your mind heading in a positive direction. There is science that backs you up and says you're going to have a better day in that respect. 
I love that. I know. And, and you're 1000% right on that. You know, as we kind of come now to the kind of fourth quarter here, <laughs> tell me you now are such a big, you know, advocate and supporter for others. How can people reach you? How did you get into what you do now? Can you kind of talk to us, talk to us a little bit about what you do now? I know sometimes maybe there's like the kind of like almost like a patient client privilege, but is there anything you can kind of share with us about some of the people you've seen and maybe have helped out or please, you know, now talk to us about what you do today every day. So my life changed back in 2015 when I was invited to do a storytelling event in my hometown of Cincinnati, where I used to live and told my story of struggle on on stage for the first time. And that changed my life, right? It sent me in this direction where now seven going on eight years later, I do this full time. So I am a huge advocate for both telling stories and also providing other people opportunities to tell theirs. For me, what that's looked like, like I said earlier, multiple podcasts, uh, podcast network, a lot of writing as we record this. I recently had an article drop in Yes Magazine about trying to change uh, policy around drug use and helping people who are struggling with substance misuse. I did used to do a lot of coaching during the pandemic, early in the pandemic, especially in the last couple of years, that's really gone by the wayside because I've been doing so much big picture advocacy work that I haven't had the time that I once did to do uh, one-on-one coaching. But I'm always interested in hearing people's stories and, and promoting other voices. If you're looking to tell a story and you want advice on how to do podcasts, uh, I do a lot of consulting work, uh, helping companies start their shows because it's such a beautiful medium, as you can attest. The barrier of entry is very low, and it, it's such a beautiful way for people to have this direct connection with us that isn't a TV show, isn't very public. It's just you with your headphones on, hearing people that you feel connected to and feel seen by. Yeah, uh, 1,000% agree. Love that. Where do you see the future? What's in it? Is there anything else you want to start? And by the way, tell me, as we close this out, what are or last words even? I do want to also ask you this. Obviously, podcasts are great. People that are out there that are also spreading positive and amazing messages, amazing. What do you say to people or what is your advice to people therapy? Are you a big advocate for that? Um, as we kind of close out here, what would be someone who's in your shoes where you were obviously a few years ago when you were going through your lowest points? What is your advice to them? What do you recommend they do? What are your thoughts? So definitely a big advocate for therapy, although I am so mindful of the fact that it's very hard for some people to get therapy because it's very expensive. Right. It's hard to find a good therapist. I get it. There is a a great quote by a guy named Johan Hari, a journalist who studied this stuff. And he said, look, from his work, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. So having that community in place is so important. It's what drives a lot of people to things like AA is because there's that built-in community. But the most important thing people can do is to reach out to people who understand and are going to be positive supports and not negatives, right? Sometimes it's really hard because we want our family to be that. And it's not a knock on them. They just, they don't know how to be, right? They've never gone through this. And so you can spend your whole life wishing your mom or your dad would be that support that you want them to be. And I'm not saying they don't love you. I'm just saying they don't know how to support you in that moment. Exactly. So reaching out to people like me, people who have been there and saying, what do you recommend I do next? We can point you in the right direction and say, this group here are these people. They're the ones that are going to be supportive. They know what you've been through, right? 
so recognize, or I guess do a mindfulness practice and know that just because someone's offering advice doesn't mean it's good advice. Yeah. And make sure you're taking advice from the right people. But at the end of the day, I like to live by this idea of those who are struggling, they can't recover if they're dead. So we just have to meet them where they are and we have to support them taking even the babiest of steps because trying to throw them into the deep end, look, as someone who lived there, they're going to drown. It's a thousand percent. They're going to drown. So support positive steps no matter how small they are. I love that. Well, Jay, I want to thank you for your time. This is one of my favorite episodes um, because, again, it's very inspiring. And, and it's funny, like, you know, it's not about, I think sometimes you hear, you know, these, I think what social media does is it, it shows winning as like becoming a millionaire and being rich and this and that. And that's not, that's not happiness. Even those people, I know I'm sure struggle with depression. The, to me, your story is true winning. Don't stop doing what you do, bro. Love it, you know, and, and keep spreading that message. We'll put all your links in the bio for people to see. Thank you. Um, I have everything, you know, from the bio that we've got on file for you. So, uh, Jay, thank you so much. And guys, if you're watching this, I can see baseball is still a big part of your life. I see all the, <laughs> the Funkos and you're kind of tossing up a baseball as we were talking. Yeah. So you're a very positive person and I love seeing what you've done. Don't stop, bro. I appreciate you having me. This was a fun conversation. Keep up the great work. Awesome. All right, Jay. Thank you so much. All right, everyone and everyone else out there, have a great day. And, and again, let's thank Jay for his time. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Bye-bye.